0: Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I'm the aforementioned host, Mr. Izzy. And Moses, I want to thank you for that wonderful introduction. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, boss. You know, Moses, today's podcast goes way back into history to a time when Indians roamed the land. You remember back in those days, don't you? You're kind of old. Well, I remember one of my neighbors when I was a kid. His grandpa was in one of the Indian tribes. I think he was like a Choctaw or something something like chalk or something like that. So something on a bulletin but, board? Yeah, he was he was a a chief, I think. Really? That's um that's pretty high up there. You know, relating to the Indians, a big part of their culture had to do with the buffalo. Buffalo meat being healthy, high in protein, low in fat. That brings us into a brand new sponsor of the Derek Izzy Show. That's a company called Onnit. What does Onnit have to do with buffalo meat? It has to do with their Warrior Bar, which is something I've now become obsessed with. This Warrior Bar is amazing. It's kind of like a Slim Jim except it's a lot more nutritious. You've got buffalo meat, cranberries, and peppers. That's it. 14 grams of protein in one bar, and it's buffalo meat. Very good for you, healthy, produced by the company Onnit. Brand new sponsor of The Derek Izzy Show. Now let me tell you how you can get your own Warrior Bars. Go to DerekIzzy.com and click on the Onnit banner. The Onnit banner is on my website, and by clicking directly on the banner, that will take you to its website where you can place your order and you will get 10% off. Now, it's not 10% off your initial order, it's 10% off every time you go through using the banner on my website. When you go to its website using the banner on DerekIzzy.com, you will get 10% off of all their items, and they have a lot of items. Anything to deal with nutrition, They make weightlifting equipment, they have clothing, they have vitamins, they have protein mixes, they have hygiene products, they even sell soap. I'm in love with the Warrior Bars, so that's why I'm talking about them. But as a brand new sponsor of the Derek Izzy Show, click on the banner on DerekIzzy.com and place your order with On It today. You get 10% off, and by using that banner, we get a little kickback from that. And that keeps the show running. If you enjoy what you hear on The Derek Izzy Show, click on the banner on DerekIzzy.com and place your order with On It today. And now, the topic of today's podcast. As I mentioned before, today's podcast goes back into the time when Indians roamed the land. Two specific Indians with the Shawnee tribe were Tenskwatawa and Tecumseh. Tecumseh was a great warrior leader with the Shawnee tribe. Tenskwatawa was his brother. Now, a quick look into Tenskwatawa's life. He had many difficult years as a young man suffering from alcoholism, but he worked through it and became a religious leader known as the Shawnee prophet. He advocated a return of the Shawnee tribe and other American Indians to their ancestral lifestyle and rejected the lifestyle of the colonists and the Americans. He attracted a large following among Indians who had already suffered major epidemics and dispossession of their lands. In 1805, Tenskwatawa led a religious revival following a series of witch hunts after an outbreak of smallpox hit the Shawnee tribe. His beliefs were based on earlier teaching of different Indian prophets. They all predicted a coming apocalypse that would destroy the European and American settlers. Tenskwatawa urged the Native Americans to reject the ways of the Europeans. Give up your firearms. Give up your liquor. Do not dress like the white man. He also wanted them to refrain from giving up any more lands to the United States. These teachings had led to rising tensions between the settlers and the Indian tribes. Tenskwatawa's brother, Tecumseh, was a great military leader among the Shawnee. He shared his brother's beliefs in not giving up any more land to the settlers. During a speech that he gave to the Muskogee in October of 1811, as reported by General Samuel Dale, Tecumseh said, In defiance of the white warriors of Ohio and Kentucky, I have traveled through their settlements, once our favorite hunting grounds. No war loop was sounded, but there is blood on our knives. The pale faces felt the blow, but knew not whence it came. Accursed be the race that has seized on our country and made women of our warriors. Our fathers from their tombs reproach us as slaves and cowards. I hear them now in the wailing winds. The Muskogee was once a mighty people. The Georgians trembled in your war whoop. And the maidens of my tribe on the distant lakes "'Sung the prowess of your warriors, and sighed for their embraces. "'Now your very blood is white, your tomahawks have no edge, "'your bows and arrows were buried with your fathers. "'O Muscogees, brethren of my mother, "'brush from your eyelids the sleep of slavery. "'Once more strike for vengeance, once more for your country. "'The spirits of the mighty dead complain, "'their tears drop from the weeping skies.' Let the white race perish. They seize your land, they corrupt your women, they trample on the ashes of your dead. Back whence they came, upon a trail of blood they must be driven. Back. Back into the great water whose accursed waves brought them to our shores. Burn their dwellings, destroy their stock, slay their wives and children. The red man owns the country, and the pale faces must never enjoy it. "'War now. War forever. War upon the living. War upon the dead. "'Dig their very corpses from the grave. Our country must give no rest to the white man's bones. "'This is the will of the Great Spirit, revealed by my brother, his familiar, the prophet of the lakes. "'He sends me to you. All the tribes of the North are dancing the war dance.' Two mighty warriors across the seas will send us arms. Tecumseh will soon return to his country. My prophets shall tarry with you. They will stand between you and the bullets of your enemies. When the white men approach you, the yawning earth shall swallow them up. Soon shall you see my arm of fire stretched athwart the sky. I will stamp my foot at Tippecanoe, and the very earth shall shake. This authority that Tecumseh spoke with led to many tribes joining the Shawnee and following Tecumseh and his brother, Tenskwatawa, into battle. This battle was the Battle of Tippecanoe, and here's what happened. On the white man's side, William Henry Harrison, appointed governor of the Indiana Territory in 1800, he sought to secure more Native American lands and open up more land for his settlers to expand upon. Harrison negotiated numerous land cession treaties with American Indians, including the Treaty of Fort Wayne, of which several tribe leaders sold 3 million acres to the United States. Tenskwatawa and his brother Tecumseh were outraged by this treaty. They did not believe the tribes that signed the treaty spoke for all the Indians who occupied the land. This outrage led them to form their own army of warriors. Not yet ready to confront the United States, Tecumseh's primary adversaries were initially Native American leaders who had signed the treaty. He started by intimidating them and threatening to kill anyone and their followers who carried out the terms of the treaty. Tecumseh started to travel, urging warriors to abandon their chiefs and join him and his Shawnee tribe in their rebellion against the treaty. In 1810, he met with Governor Harrison and demanded that Harrison nullify the treaty and warned that settlers should not attempt to settle the land. Harrison rejected his demands and insisted that the tribes could have individual relations with the United States. Tecumseh fired back and warned Harrison that he would seek an alliance with British forces if hostilities broke out between the United States and Tecumseh's warriors. Being as it was the early 1800s, tensions were very high between the United States and Britain. These kinds of threats only antagonized Governor Harrison. In August of 1811, Tecumseh met with Harrison once again. Tecumseh assured Harrison that the Shawnee brothers meant to remain at peace with the United States. It was shortly after this that Tecumseh started to travel to the south to recruit more Indians to grow his army. Harrison also left, traveling to Kentucky. This meant that Secretary John Gibson was now acting governor in Harrison's absence. Gibson used to live among the Miami tribe, so rumors of Tecumseh's plans of gathering an Indian militia quickly got back to John Gibson. John Gibson acted by sending out an emergency call for the return of Governor Harrison. Governor Harrison gathered troops from Kentucky and Indiana and brought them back. Governor Harrison's troop included 250 Army regulators, 100 Kentucky volunteers, and nearly 600 militia members from Indiana. Although existing accounts are unclear about exactly how the battle began, The Indians were advancing forward during the hours of night. The soldiers awoke to scattered gunshots and discovered themselves almost encircled by Tenskatawa's forces. Contact was first made on the northern end of the perimeter, but the movement was probably intended as a diversion. Shortly after the first shots, fierce fighting broke out on the opposite end of the perimeter as the warriors charged Harrison's line on the southern corner. The attack took the army by surprise as the warriors shouted war calls and rushed the defenders. The second charge by the Native Americans targeted both the north and south ends of the camp, with the far southern end being the hardest hit. Over half of Harrison's casualties were suffered among the companies on the southern end. Throughout the next hour, Harrison's troops fought off several more charges. When the warriors began to run low on ammunition and the sun rose revealing the small size of Tenskwatawa's army, the Indian forces finally began to slowly withdraw. The army then initiated a charge that forced the remaining Native Americans to flee. The battle lasted about two hours. Governor Harrison lost 62 men, and the Native Americans lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 50. The day after the battle, the wounded were loaded onto wagons and carried back to Fort Harrison for medical care. Most of the militia were released from duty and returned home. In his initial report to Secretary William Eustace, Harrison informed him of a battle having occurred near the Tippecanoe River, giving the battle the river's name, and added that he feared an imminent reprisal for the Battle of Tippecanoe. The first dispatch did not make clear which side had won the conflict, so the secretary interpreted that as a defeat for the Americans. The follow-up dispatch made the United States' victory clear, and the defeat of Tecumseh's army became more certain when no second attack materialized. Secretary Eustace replied with a lengthy note demanding to know why Harrison had not taken adequate precautions in fortifying his camp. Governor Harrison responded that he had considered the position strong enough to not require fortification. This dispute was the catalyst of a disagreement between Harrison and the Department of War that later caused him to resign from the army in 1814. Tenskwatawa predicted doom for the settlers. Among his many prophecies, there was an earthquake in 1811 that shook the South and the Midwest. Many Indians interpreted this as Tenskwatawa's predictions coming true. In an account of the aftermath of the battle, Tenskwatawa supposedly set a curse against Harrison as well as future presidents elected during years with the same end number as Harrison. When William Henry Harrison ran for president of the United States during the election of 1840, he used the slogan Tippecanoe and Tyler too to remind people of his heroism during the battle. William Henry Harrison was elected President of the United States in 1840. What followed his election was the aftermath of something known as Tecumseh's Curse. Like I said before, William Henry Harrison was elected President in 1840. He served as President until April 4th of 1841, where his death marked the beginning of Tecumseh's Curse that would kill every president elected in a year, ending in a zero. Since presidential elections take place every four years, that means that every 20 years, the president elected would die in office. William Henry Harrison being the first. In 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president. During his second term, in 1865, Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Twenty years from President Lincoln's election, in 1880, James Garfield was elected to the presidency. He took office in March of 1881. In July of 1881, he was shot. In September of 1881, he died. Twenty years after James Garfield was elected, In 1900, William McKinley was elected president. On September 6th, 1901, President McKinley was shot. On September 14th, he died. 20 years after William McKinley was elected, in 1920, Warren G. Harding was elected president. On August 2nd, 1923, Harding was visiting San Francisco on a cross-country voyage. And he suffered a stroke and died at the Palace Hotel. 20 years after Warren G. Harding was elected, Franklin Roosevelt elected president in 1940. On April 12, 1945, Franklin Roosevelt died of a cerebral hemorrhage. 20 years after Franklin Roosevelt was elected president in 1960, John F. Kennedy became the youngest elected president. On November 22, 1963, John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. 20 years after John F. Kennedy was elected president, in 1980, Ronald Reagan became the oldest man to be elected president. On March 30th, 1981, President Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. Quick medical attention saved President Reagan's life And President Ronald Reagan became the first president to beat Tecumseh's curse and to break the curse for the rest of elected presidents. Twenty years after Ronald Reagan was elected, the proof that the curse had been broken, President George W. Bush was elected in 2000. In 2005, there was an assassination attempt, but he was unharmed. Now I leave it up to you, whether or not you believe Tecumseh's curse was real, and whether or not you believe that Tenskwatawa actually had magical powers, that he could curse people and presidents. But what I've given you are the facts of what has happened and the background information of where Tecumseh's curse came from. Make sure you go to DerekIzzy.com, click on the On It banner, Take 10% off your Onnit products. Get some Warrior Bars. They're amazing. Because this has been The Derek Izzy Show. Good day.